0: Praise the Lord. Riley, Y'all may be seated, but Riley, only one can't sit down is Riley. He's here. Tell us about the trip. It was very long. Like <laughs> hours flight to get back here. Amen. And where did you come from? Uh, Spain. Spain. You've been there for a long time. And are you done? Yeah, I'm not. It's good to have Riley back. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Yes, we was supposed to eat lunch this week. Hey, you can't uh, you can't uh, get out of buying our lunch sometime. You're supposed to, you're supposed to take Debbie and I out to dinner. All that big military pay, right guys? Turn your Bible to Galatians 4. It's good to see him and all of you with us today. Well I tell you what, we got some great seats filled up. Man, them back rows are full today, I'm telling you. I'm fighting it with all I got. How many remember me twenty five years ago what I'd do if you was in the back? (laughs) Oh my. I'm trying to not do it. Jacob knows what I need and what I'm talking about. He's been moved and moved many a time. well <laughs> oh, they're packed back there. Galatians 4. I'm going to try to not do it. Amber, you proud of me? <laughs> Trying to reform in my later life. Galatians chapter 4. This is the oldest reference to the birth of Christ in the New Testament written around 57 A.D. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is uh, Luke comes after this, right? It, it was, it it, was, it occurred, of course, but it's written after this. It's recorded after this. I don't even know when Luke... Boy, I tell you, you forget things, don't you? Luke is one of the oldest of the, the three oldest Gospels, but I can't remember the date on it. But it's after Galatians. So we're looking at the oldest uh, part of the New Testament, recording the incarnation. And uh, I I titled it Merry Christmas from Paul. (laughs) So he gives us these verses. Look at verse 4 and 5. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You see the incarnation in that? See Christmas? I love Christmas. You love Christmas? I do. Love everything about everything. I love about everything. We celebrate it. We celebrate our faith. We celebrate uh, our salvation. Of course, it surrounds the celebration of our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus and we celebrate the, the redemption story. And so what we have here in the Galatians reference is the, the redemption story, what Christmas is really all about. You know, sometimes we complain about the commercialization of Christmas and all that, and I've gotten over all that. I'm, I'm glad we do it. I'm glad, I'm glad it's a worldwide event, aren't you? Man, people spending money. I want to thank everybody for all the beautiful gifts I got for my birthday and for Christmas. It takes my opportunity to do this and why I'm doing announcements in the middle of the sermon, I want to... Did y'all hear our new guitar player today? Hey, Mike. Yeah. Man, that was great. I actually heard him, and it was good what I heard. But but I I love Christmas, and, and you should love Christmas. Some people hate Christmas. You know... If you want to be humbug about Christmas, just be careful you are associating yourself with some pretty strange religious people. okay? The people that don't like Christmas are all strange. So so pull yourself out of that, don't be ba humbug about Christmas and, and enjoy the Christmas celebration because we are celebrating the, we're celebrating the birth of our Savior the Lord Jesus. Over in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 10, it says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. Now, I think we can redeem Christmas by celebrating and enjoying Christmas and enjoy. And let me tell you something, all of you dads and moms that have kids at home and, 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 oh, my Lord, try to put your... Dread off till the credit card comes in in January, right? I remember those days. I remember scratching and and thinking, "My Lord, oh, this is going to be hard." And and it, it, it all makes it tough, doesn't it? But Hallelujah, I survived. So there's hope for you. And so, you know, Christmas is our time of year. Don't let anybody take it away from us. I even read a few years ago that atheists enjoy Christmas. Well, I think they need to enjoy it. They need something to smile about, right? And I'm glad, that I invite them to celebrate with us the birth of the coming of the Son of God. And I don't think there's ever been a time in history that we need to celebrate the truths of Christmas the coming of the Son, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the redemption story of the cross, how He died for the sins of the world, and then peace on earth, goodwill to all men. we need to be thinking on those things and celebrating those things. And it is our responsibility as Christians to dig underneath all the Christmas gifts and ornaments on the tree and dig all the truths of Christmas up and remind people of what Christmas really is all about. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? So we give gifts, and you know this, we give gifts celebrating that God gave the greatest gift, the gift of His Son, to die for us that we could be saved. Now, Paul gives us the heavenly truths about Christmas in the text, and that's there. You've read it already with me, but I'm going to bring them out. Written in 57 A.D., oldest uh, of Paul's writings, uh, and, and he gives us what Christmas really is all about. I wonder what he would think about it today. Knowing Paul, as well as I do through his writings, he'd probably be negative about it. You know, that's just my thought. I don't know. I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong and I hope I don't have to apologize to him someday. I do want to see him one day. Now, so this is written, as I said, before Luke. So this is the foundation. This is the real guts of what Christmas is. First of all, we see God's plan. We see God's plan in verse four. He says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His son. we see the wonder and the amazement of the shepherds and and we see the three kings which really didn't happen on the the first Christmas day but it's, you know, tradition has the the kings there and and has three kings there and we know it was probably a large group of people that came and they were following the signs Uh, they were reading from Daniel and they got there. They weren't there at the first Christmas. But it's okay to paint the picture because it is true that they all came to celebrate the coming of the Son of God to earth. So let's worship with the wise men. Let's worship with the, the shepherds. And let's give gifts uh, in the name of Jesus to other people. And the cry of the nativity is that God is sovereign. That God sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 21, it it says this, and you know this, And she shall bring forth a son. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The purpose of God was, the sovereign plan of God was that Jesus would come and be the Savior, not only for the Jews but for the Gentiles and for the whole world. So we can join the the shepherds and the wise men and and we can worship today. And and when you get uh, to have your Christmas tonight or tomorrow, read the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 would be the good one. And, And we need to stand amazed in the presence of God, singing songs to God and hymns to God, how good God is to us. This last week I was doing something I don't like to do a lot of. I, I went I went shopping. And I, I, I got into a interchange, an exchange of conversation, greetings, and goodbyes with a, a young man. And there was a lady back here. And here I am right here. I'm looking at him. And I said, Merry Christmas. I made it a point to say Merry Christmas a lot this year. And, you know, I, and I, I just want to do it, you know. Merry Christmas. And he looked at me and he had a kind of a dumbfuzzled look on his face and looked at the lady behind. I observed things and he said, Happy Holidays. So I returned, Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm glad that it's more than a happy holiday for us, isn't it? It's a very Merry Christmas. The reality of Christmas is that we celebrate the coming of Emmanuel. That word means God coming to us in the flesh, Jesus coming into the world. Timothy tells us, well, Paul says to Timothy in chapter 1, verse 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world. Okay, that's the Christmas story. He came into the world to save sinners. That's what it's all about. That's what Christmas is all about. It's the redemption story, the Savior of the world. Over in chapter 1 of Matthew, Verse 23, the Bible says, And the virgin shall be with child. A virgin shall be with child. Makes it clear. It's not a young woman. A virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. They call him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. It's a miracle of the incarnation. God came, his son. God came in the person of his son, to be with us, to be our Savior. The reality of Christmas, it's ours, it's our truth. We need to claim it. We need to proclaim it. need not to be ashamed of it. So we see God's plan, that uh, the fullness of time wasn't an afterthought, was it? We know, according to Revelation chapter 13, it was God's plan before the foundations of the world that His Son would come to earth. You think about all the things that played out. You go back to the garden, and you see man was created, put in the garden, and then the fall of man, when they ate of the tree. God, before all of that, did all of that for the Savior to come to the world. If you're reading the book of Hebrews, I don't have it in my notes today, but... The, the purpose of Jesus was not only to cleanse us of our sin, but the purpose of his coming to earth was to cleanse heaven of the sin that occurred in heaven. Well, what what happened there? Well, when the fall of Lucifer took place, he's been into the presence of God. God put this together. It was his plan. You say, did God plan for Adam to sin? Uh, you might as well say yes. He knew it would happen. He created him. Anyway, did he will him to to sin? He didn't have to will him to sin. God made him with a will, and Adam willed himself into sin. (coughs) Everything, you look at this, it says when the fullness of time would come. You you could interpret that to say this, when everything was arranged. I, I want to introduce you to this truth if you don't already know it. There are no accidents with God. It was all arranged. To us, it's an accident that we were involved in, but in reality, God allowed things to happen, and it's a part of His, His divine plan. Wow. He It carries also the ideal of a promise being kept. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that's when God... Made the promise that the Son of God would come to the earth. He said, He will bruise your head, Lucifer, and he will have his, bru- his heel bruised. And we know that's the cross. God's plan before the foundation of the world was the coming of Jesus into the world as a baby. He came through the doorway to mankind, born of a virgin. Over in First Peter, I got another reference. I just kind of salted my message with these references from different places in the Bible. It said in, in the First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen: "For as much as we know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from the, your vain conversation uh, and received by the traditions from the father, but by the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb." without blemish and without spot. We see baby Jesus there in the the manger. He's the lamb without blemish, the lamb without spot. You know, every time a baby is born, we're reminded of the Son of God being born. We're reminded of the innocence, the preciousness of the Son of God coming to earth. What, listen, The wisdom of man cannot comprehend the foolishness of God that the salvation of the world is through a little baby born in Bethlehem, the little insignificant town, laid in that manger. Hey, I've been to that cave, and I think I know which one it is. There's two options. He was laid in that manger in that little cave. God's simplicity of salvation. Why is it so simple? Well, it's so simple because God is so wise. You know, the greatest things, there are the simple things. I I sent a a text to a couple of friends this week of, of a piano part that's one of the greatest piano parts I've ever heard, and you know what makes it great? It's so simple. Simplicity is the wisdom of the wisest ones. The salvation of the world. Over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, our Bible says this. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. What's it going to be called? It's going to be called Wonderful. It's going to be called Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase. Of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God's plan all along was for Jesus to sit on a throne and rule the world. But it wasn't that simple. It's complex. He would be rejected as we know, by the authorities, the Jewish authorities, rejected, turned away as their king. How come? So that he could not only be the king of the Jews, but that he could be the king of all people. That was God's plan all along. Hey, to be praised by the Jewish people, to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Father of the Jews only? No, by all people. And it has taken 2,000 years. For that to play out and how would God do it except through humility the Son of God would have to go to a cross he would have to die on the cross for the sin of the world he would have to be humiliated there naked and bare alone hanging on that cross for the sin of the world and then laid in the grave and then the faith of the Son of God trusting the Father's will he raises from the dead and he's alive again that's God's plan of salvation God's plan of salvation included you. If you're here today, if you're not a Christian, you're included. God gave His Son for you to be saved also. And don't, listen, don't try to get to God by being religious. Only through salvation. Only through the precious blood of Christ. Christmas, man, it's all about the redemption story, isn't it? You know, In in my studies, I read again, as you probably have heard it many times before, but uh, they they try to separate Christ from Christmas, and they try to say that, that all of the things of Christmas were here all along before that Christ just happened to be born on Christmas. Well, we don't even know when he was born, do we? Early Christians adapted this time of year to celebrate it, but I even believe that is by divine inspiration of God that we would celebrate him see the story goes that the the the, the Christmas kind of thing went back to being the shortest day of the year and and they, they they were celebrating birth and they were celebrating lights and you know we had the shortest day of the year what was it friday i always celebrate that day and They celebrate Hanukkah, right? Some people believe that Hanukkah was uh, put there to kind of hide the Christmas story and to take our mind off the Christmas story. But no, they celebrated Hanukkah. Even Jesus went to a Hanukkah celebration in John 10, verse 22 and 23. It was there. It was started in in the Maccabees days. That would be uh, over a a century and a half before the birth of Christ. So they're celebrating something like Christmas, and Christ has not come. And so they want to say, well, there you are. There's proof that there's nothing to the Christmas story being about Jesus. i got something for you. Think with me if you want to. How long have we been celebrating the second coming of Jesus? More than a century and a half we've been celebrating the coming of Christ. To the earth again for two thousand years, and here's what I want to say: If God's going to do something big, He always gives indications of it to people before He does it, and He always does a stirring before He does it, and people start looking up and start looking up. And so the event of the the incarnation, uh, Jesus being the nat- nat- nativity scene there in Bethlehem, oh sure. Sure, it was all going on before, but it was a part of God's divine plan. Yeah, the scribes who were students of the Old Testament, it was their responsibility to pinpoint the coming of Messiah. And it's a sad thing. I know not all of them went along with the cover-up, but there was a cover-up by the scribes to cover up that Jesus. You know, we're surprised about what we discover today in governments around the world and in our own governments, don't we? We shouldn't be surprised. They tried to cover up the coming of the Savior to the world. Now, the Bible says here in the fullness of time, when the time was right, He came. God's plan. What was right? Think about this. Religiously, things were right. There were 400 uh, silent years from Malachi to the coming of those angels to make the announcement of the birth of Jesus. The synagogue system was all laid out. They had developed the synagogue system around the known world at the time. Why? So that the early Christians could use those synagogues to teach about the Savior, the Son of God coming to the world. So what else was right? So it was uh, religiously right and, and it was, secondly, politically right. The Jews were there in the homeland, and uh, Rome had established a common system of law, and basically uh, it, the empire had peace at the time when the Son of God came. Culturally, it was right. There was a common language. They spoke common Greek around the known world, and so the spreading of the gospel, gospel could be simple. At the time, it was culturally right. And of course, there was a connection of roads all around the empire, the fullness of time. You say, well, preacher, it would be better if Jesus would come today. You could see it on Facebook. You couldn't trust it. The best time is God's timing. Of what? So we see the plan, and then we see that God sent forth His Son. He sent forth His Son. God didn't create the Savior in Bethlehem. Right? Make sure you got that. He sent His Son. We were reading in Genesis 3 and and, uh, the the word us. God uses the word us. They will be like... Man will be like us, knowing good and evil. The us is a reference to... Sorry if you don't understand this. I don't understand it. I believe it. It's a mystery. I understand that God has been revealed to us in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the us that's referred to in Genesis chapter 3. So what happened? Let's go to John, the first chapter of St. John. What happened? Jesus already existed. We'll look at it here in John one, in the beginning, verse one. You know, the synoptic gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they they, they started uh, at a different place when they uh, tell their story, and John, being different, said, "Well, I'm just going to go back to the beginning, and tell my story." And so he says in chapter one of first chapter John, "In the beginning was." The word was. You see the word? Not is. That would be. But was. Already. In the beginning was the word. The word there means expression. Jesus is the express image of God. We read that in Paul's writing don't we? The express image of God. So in the beginning was the expression. And the expression was with God. So it's not a oneness thing, is it? Is it a oneness thing with God? Some of you have been taught oneness, that that God is only one God in the sense that there is no Trinity. God is one God, but the revelation of the Trinity is right there. You have to deny it. Y'all say an amen with me? Amen. In the beginning was the expression, the Word, and the Word was with God, Father, Father. Son and Spirit, the Trinity is there, and the Word was God. No inferiority of the Son of God to the Father. They're all the same, right? So we see that in verse 1. And in verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Jesus is the Creator, the Word, the Expression. Right? So, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined into darkness, and the darkness it not. You know what John says? He says, Jesus, before he became a, a, a man in Bethlehem, is the expression... The Word of God, second person of the Trinity, and He created all things. Now, we can skip through the John, uh, the baptizer, and get to chapter 1, verse 9. Look at what it says in verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He is the light that is in kind of, inside of man. Every man has a little light until he dims it out, puts it out. Every person has the light of God in them. There's no one that can deny the presence of God. You have to be an atheist. You have to deny that that existence, don't you? If there's anything good in man, it is the light of God. That's in every man. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. They didn't recognize him. A cover-up. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. A cover-up. But notice verse 12. But as many as receive him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even even to them that believe on his name. That's us that are saved. And then it says of us, verse 13, which were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Our salvation is God birthed us into the kingdom. And then verse 14, my last word in this text. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, John says, and we beheld his glory. We looked at him. We we saw him, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John says we saw him and we verified him, And we verified that he not only was God, but that he was good. He was good. God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come into the world and just begin to exist in Bethlehem. He came into the world and always did exist in the second person of the Trinity, if you will remember the exchange between Jesus and some of the Pharisees in John chapter eight. It says in verse fifty seven, Then said the Jews unto Jesus, Thou art not but thou art not yet fifty years old and hast seen Abraham. Look at that accusation. I love this. He said you're not even fifty the Pharisees said, You're not even fifty years old and you're telling me that you've seen Abraham? Well, it's a miracle, son. You don't understand. And Jesus said unto him, verse 58, what a great statement. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. He just came into the world through the door. His mother conceived of the Father, of the Spirit, born of a virgin. We cannot leave that truth out. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, he's no more a Savior than I am. You say, I have a problem believing in that. Well, you probably have a problem with all the Bible. (laughs) Get over it. Job said in the oldest book of the Bible that he said, I know my Redeemer liveth and he shall walk on the earth in the latter days. That's Job 19.25. Wow. Then we go back to the text, verse 4. Look at the process. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law. He became human flesh. Human flesh. 100% human flesh. Made under the law. It was done properly. It was done properly. entered into the world the proper way. 100% God. 100% man. Never lost his deity. And he put on him human flesh. Let me just insert something right here that... I don't know that's true or not, and I always tell you I don't. When it's my opinion, I try to tell you. But I I kind of believe that the Antichrist will not come through birth. Something to think about. Some other way. Maybe I'm postponing the coming of Antichrist a little bit. By the way, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for the Christ. He'll come in some other way. If If you listen to the reference of Jesus, he talks about himself coming through the door. He said, be careful if any other come through another way. Artificial intelligence, which is random selection in my opinion. The door to the world is through the birth of a mother. If you look at John chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Tell me, who is the thief and the robber? He ain't the guy that lives down the road that keeps piffering through my stuff. He is Satan. That inspires that guy to piffer through my stuff. The devil's a liar and a thief. Jesus said, I'm... I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly before he said that he said, the thief cometh not, but to steal, kill, and destroy. He cometh up some other way. So it would not surprise me that the Antichrist comes in some other some other way. and I got another other so if I could say that's not appropriate. Uh, you know not time to say it. we don't have time to get into it. Jesus came to the door just like it'd be Prophesied from Genesis chapter three verse fifteen on through the old testament was told he'd come. He'd come through the door. He's the Savior. Over in Matthew, I got one more reference I want to hit before we give up. It says in chapter one of Matthew, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused, engaged to Joseph. Before they came together, before they came, what a decent way of saying that. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Matthew, for making that clear for us, right? She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. The virgin bore a a son. And then verse 21, he says, And she shall bring forth a son, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Made under the law. You got it? Jesus was subject to the law, although he was Lord of the law. God's purpose, and then we'll close. The purpose, verse 5, look at it. Verse 5 of our text, to redeem, to redeem. We could stop there, right? to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's the purpose of God, and that's what Christmas is all about. That's the reason of the season. He came to redeem. He had purpose. He was made under the law, without sin, but he took upon him the sins of the world to redeem us from our sin. What a Savior. What a Savior. The book book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar people zealous of good works. He took us. He redeemed us. He redeemed us. Folks, we're not saved by our efforts We're saved by the finished work of Christ on the cross. Colossians 1.14. Like I said, I'm salting the message with verses. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So when you celebrate Christmas, let's celebrate the blood of Christ. The cross. We're lo- by the way, we're looking for our, a cross to add to our Christmas display at the park. It's central, isn't it? The cross. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, it says Being justified, speaking of us, being justified freely. What's it cost to get saved? Being justified freely. Didn't cost you anything to get saved. Cost you something to live and honor God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He came to redeem us. That's what Christmas is all about. To save us, to deliver us from the consequences of sin, that He might receive us into His family by adoption. Now, we're all, if we're a child of anybody besides our earthly parents, we're a child of the devil. I hate to break it to you, but we're not child of the king until we're born into the kingdom and adopted into the family. All of mankind is not the child children of God until they're born and adopted into the family. John one twelve tells that same message. The message of Christmas, folks, is that Jesus saves. He came into the world to save sinners. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? Are you very sure you're saved? S-A-V-E-D, saved? Hey, I remember when I was a kid. I loved Christmas as a kid. Uh, There was four houses along the road outside of uh, the town I lived in, and we all lived there on one farm there. On Christmas, oh, I look forward to gathering at my grandfather's house. It wasn't what you got, but you always got something, didn't you? And it was good to get something. I always look forward to that. And I'm saddened that those days have long, long, long been gone, right? And then the, the gathering moved to my parents' house, and we... We kind of split as a family and went in different directions. And we don't like that, do we, if we love family members and want to be together? And we all went in different directions. And then I've seen it dwindle to where my parents are gone, and then we try to gather them at our family. And then they're split in so many directions today. They have to be with everybody, right? And so it's all confusing. That was a good memory when I started, but now it got terrible. But let me give you my closing point. We're going to assemble at the Father's house one day. Amen. We're all going to be there. And we're going to receive gifts. You know what's, what's crazy about it? Jesus is going to give us gifts. And you know what? We're, when we get those gifts, I, I, I tell you, it's going to be a great celebration because everything we give has been given to us by God, hasn't it? I don't know this to be true, but I, I can't imagine it not being true. When I get some gifts, I've got some people I'm just going to have to give them to. Amen. People that have meant so much in my life that sometimes I don't think about it. Sometimes I don't recall it. But God has been instrumental using them in my life. You remember that time when you were you were busted, broke, and separated, and, and just nothing was good, and somebody, somebody, God used them to bless you. Well, don't you know you're going to celebrate and and share those gifts? What a day it's going to be. It's going to be like Christmas. So Merry Christmas. You know, God gave you the gift of his son, the Donald Cross. You know what? God wants you to give him a gift. Maybe you've already done it. But God wants you to give him a gift, and he wants me to ask you to give it to him. And here's the gift. To give him your soul. To trust him as your savior. God gave you the gift of life. God has given you the gift of his son. God has given you the gift of being able to hear the gospel of our salvation. Where Christ died for our sins. He died for your sins. Now, if you want to keep your life, you can keep it. God will let you keep it. But what a great day to give your life to Jesus to trust Him as your Savior. Let's bow our heads and quietly stand and have an opportunity for someone to come. Wouldn't you really want to go to heaven? You want to go to heaven. The way to heaven is a gift. It's a gift that you receive. And here it is being offered to us by God through us, His servants. If you're not a Christian, would you come right now and give your life to God? Would you give your heart to God right now? Give your heart to God. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? He gave His all to you. I'm not saying you're making a promise that you're not going to sin anymore. You, You cannot make a promise like that. You will continue to sin. No one is sin free but will you give Jesus your heart he'll give you eternal life why don't you come now and give God your heart he'll give you eternal life you come right now. A step of faith, God will save you. Would you step out right now and give your heart to Jesus and let him give you eternal life You can keep it. God gave you life. He gave you a soul. You can keep it. But the best thing you can do is give it back to Him. But it doesn't mean mean you're not going to mess up anymore. Would you come and give Him your life? What about a Christian that needs to rededicate their life? A Christian that's fallen short of living for Christ. Maybe a new start today. Would you come? Step out of that seat and come right here. God will save you. First step you take, he'll save you today. Take that step of faith towards God and watch the Lord save you today. You come. Step out of that seat. As I am and waiting not would you to come rid would you come one dark spot and who bids me in <coughs> whole land of let's God sing it out I come, <coughs> I come sing it out with us just as, as I that's the way you get saved, am, just I as you are, just receive. as you are. Are we waiting? Are we, are we, are we, are we we waiting for you? Are we waiting for you to come? Let's bow our heads and our musicians continue to play. Let's bow our heads. I want to talk to the Christian for a moment. I want to speak to the Christian, Now listen, Christian. I know good and well. I know beyond a shadow of doubt. Some of you have not been living for the Lord. You haven't been living for the Lord. All of us sin and come short of the glory of God. But some of you haven't been living for the Lord. And you need to make a rededication of your life to live for Christ. And I'll tell you, you say, I'm trying to do that, but I'm having trouble. That's because you had not made it a public thing. You need to declare yourself on the Lord's side. Right here on an altar. You do that. That's, that's coming back to Bethel. You haven't been living for the Lord, but you're going to live for the Lord from now with God's help. You come. Put it on the altar. Amen. Come on now. Let's get right now. Let's get it right. We can't serve God in a new year if we don't get it right. Get it right. Everybody looking at you. Oh, well, they are. Ain't that good? Won't you come? Amen. Amen. Won't you come? Won't you come? Dedicate yourself to the Lord for a brand new year. Won't you come? We're having an old-fashioned altar call. Won't you, won't you make it today? Hey, i got to get this straight. No, you don't get anything straight. You come as you are, and God helps you get it straight. You can't get yourself straight by yourself. It wouldn't honor God if you did. got to have the Lord's help. Amen. Anyone else? You gotta give time, get be patient, give folks a little time here this morning. Sing it out one more time, then. And if no one comes, we'll close. Just as I am tossed about, tossed about. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I really need to do it. Fighting, fear.
1: What do you do? Just
0: come. Of God I come. I come. All right. Praise the Lord for all the decisions made today. And if you're not.